Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller, and I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hello. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. <laughs> you I know that I, I'm going to say hi, I J.J. Know. I just get excited. And you preempted me. <laughs> I got excited. We don't even have to record that. We just play the ones from the previous <laughs> podcast, and, you know, it's the same thing. I know. I just got excited. <laughs> <laughs> what is your meeting style? I mean, everybody has a meeting style. Yeah, like when you meet with people who work with you and things like that, like projects and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. What's your yeah. meeting style? Um, are you an engager? Are you a yes. standing guy? You want it to be short? No. You want it to go two hours? Yeah. <laughs> the more time. No, I don't like. I don't like long meetings. I like meetings with food. I will tell you that right now. It's called dinner. If it needs to be, then yeah. Yeah, then give me some cookies. I always like to have snacks in my meetings. And, you know, you hear kind of these big companies who do like these quick five-minute meetings and everything, and I know how necessary those are. But for me, I take meetings as an opportunity to get to know people a little bit more, connect, talk about story, how's the day going, and then get into business. That's ridiculous. I know. For you, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is not my meeting style. I know. I know. You and but I are funny. very we're, opposite we're, yeah, we're, in that it, when it comes to But it's to important. That. And I've, I've learned over time that I have to understand <laughs> that, that you that have to bring beef jerky in our People have to connect. I remember reading, it was Tim, our producer. I was reading his disc profile. Uh-huh. You know, right when Tim came on staff, we have everybody do this disc profile. Yeah. And it just said, you know, hey, whenever you call him, just open up with like, how's your day going? And give him 60 seconds and then he can dive into the meeting. Yeah. I think it saved our relationship. There's never been tension between <laughs> me and Tim. But I literally think he would have hated me. You go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. Trouble at home. Blah, blah. But no. Yeah. I get it. Your mom's sick. Let's just uh, dive but into but this. But that, w- that was not a natural thing for me to ever yeah. think anybody wanted me to do. Yeah. Right? I, I project on that you just want me to get to the point so that we can get the thing done. Yeah. No. And you and I are the opposite in that. I have to learn when I come to you, I've got to have the points down. I'm like, hey, these are the things you need to walk out of here with based on what I'm telling you. Like, it's, I need you to know the time of this. I need you to know these things. And I yeah, need- Here's and, what we're trying to yeah, get done. Instead of like, hey, not- how's Lucy doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I remember people used to, they stopped doing it now. People used to say, hey, can we get coffee? Why? <laughs> Why? But then there's a coffee. There's to literally, build relationship, Don. There's a $400 Nespresso machine in my kitchen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have coffee. Get coffee. Yeah, I got coffee. Next. You drive halfway across town to get that coffee? How's that coffee different than this coffee? And I'm like, you don't ask me to hang out with you unless you ask me to coffee. <laughs> don't do that. Well, the reason I bring that up <laughs> is because today's interview is actually with Daniel Tardy, who's Senior Vice President over at Entree Leadership, our good friends over there. They make great stuff for entrepreneurs and usually like sub $5 million companies. They're just doing great work for them. And Daniel, he's a professional meeting taker. I mean, yeah. he, he, <laughs> yeah, he meets with people. I have two meetings a week. Yeah. They're called wig sessions. We use the, the Covey system, the four disciplines of execution. Mm-hmm. I really have two standing meetings a week, and I like them, but they're very efficient. We get things done and we move yeah. on. He's doing like five meetings a day. Yeah. And if you're a vice president or an executive who has five meetings a day, your meeting style means a lot. I mean, the, the idea that you get a lot done in that meeting can mean hundreds of thousands of dollars. It can mean people's jobs. It can mean not being yeah. beaten by the competition. So it's really important stuff. And Daniel came over to the office, and he brought us nine tips and tricks and strategies for having really effective meetings. And I actually yeah. I greatly enjoyed this interview. One of them 
is food. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so apparently, I was, this is just crazy. Now I got to like walk into a meeting with a sandwich or yeah, something, right? I would not hate that. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, let's talk about the new season of the podcast. By the way, here's a foot-long sandwich. I prefer, I mean, if I'm being honest, I prefer donuts. But and we're just putting donuts. that out there because I actually know that you make changes based on these interviews. Like we don't just do these <laughs> interviews and then let them sit back. But you actually implement the things that we learn from people. So one we of the things with, I want to highlight, I like, I do the, not want us to just skip over this. Food is one of the important <laughs> things of a highly, yeah, I know you're all about production, productive meeting. Donuts <laughs> are key number one. Donuts Cookies mean we have a two. really effective first 20 minutes and yes. then everybody just goes to sleep. And sleep, which is also productive <laughs> for me. <laughs> sleep is not one of Daniel's really? nine things. Weird. They're really good though. I yeah. mean, yeah, my favorites on the whole thing is limit the number of attendees. Yeah. The fewer the people at that meeting, the more you're going to get done. Yeah. I mean, I really just believe that. In fact, I even read somewhere that Steve Jobs was invited to the White House, and he asked who else is going to be in the meeting. There were too many people in the meeting, so he declined the invitation. <laughs> He's like, not worth it. Yeah, not a joke. He was yeah. like, we're not going to get anything done. Yeah. You just want to sit around and be with a bunch of tech guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going. Yep. I thought, yeah, I'm with you yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on with our interview with Daniel Tardy. If you're somebody who has a lot of meetings, you're going to get an awful lot out of this. In fact, you just pass this podcast around your staff and agree with these rules together. We'll give you a link at the end of the show, download a worksheet that has the rules, the strategies for meetings, and maybe you can pass them around your office too. But you know, you start having more productive meetings, you're going to start being a more productive company, and that's going to affect your bottom line. So without further ado, here is my interview with Daniel Tardy. Daniel Tardy, welcome to the podcast. Dude, this is great. I've been looking forward to it. You've helped... How many businesses? I mean, thousands, I know, but how many businesses actually subscribe yeah. to Entree Leadership and get sort of coached and mentored by yeah, you guys every you month? It's hard to measure. You know, our podcast reaches hundreds of thousands every month. Yeah. Of course, we've had our live events where we've had tens of thousands of people come through, and then we've got about 2,000 people in our coaching program. But what gets us out of bed every day is helping small business owners lead and succeed. Yeah. That's what we do. That's great. Yeah. Well, you guys do a great job. We love our relationship. Literally this morning, I got so frustrated. I almost threw my phone out the window because tomorrow I have to spend almost all day in a meeting mm. that is going to be fruitless. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, don't go. Just cancel uh, the meeting. People are flying in. Oh, well. That's and a it's problem. a meeting that, you know, I got into. This will be maybe the third time we've met, and I'm realizing we're not going to create anything after this meeting. Sure. Nothing is going to change. And it's because the organization that I'm meeting with doesn't have to create anything. They're mm. in this luxury of not having to do that. And it's driving me crazy. And so I wish I would have known more about what we're about to talk about how to have a productive meeting before. And actually, yeah. what we're about to talk about is guiding me going in tomorrow. Because Good. tomorrow I'm going to say, we have to create something yeah. because of this meeting or this meeting is fruitless for me. Well, you know, a lot or of people... Or I got to go. I gotta yeah, leave. I mean, and that's the, that's the state of almost every organization. There's meetings that we don't actually have to have. But when we're confused about what success looks like, we default to schedule a meeting. And maybe we'll figure it out there. It's an easy way, almost like a crutch for us to go, let's stick it out there somewhere and hope that that's right. going to accomplish what we need to accomplish but then oftentimes it doesn't. Do you love meetings or hate them? I love them right now. Because you use these techniques? Because we're a part of a team that is utilizing them in a way that makes us productive. We know why we're there. We know who's going to do what in the meeting. People are prepared ahead of time, and then we walk out of there with action items that actually drive our business forward. But that wasn't always the case. Well, let me just ask this first, though. Are you a meeting guy? Do you have a lot of meetings? I have two meetings every week, oh, and yeah. I have no more meetings. No, yeah, all day long. You meet all day? Well, 
not by design, but that ends up kind of being the case. Uh, we're a very meeting forward, meeting heavy organization. I'm constantly fighting to create space in my day to do non-meeting items that are still important, strategic planning gotcha. and prep and that kind of thing. Gotcha. That's interesting. I do too. How do you pull that off? Well, we probably have a different job. Yeah. I, I mean, I am the CEO of my company, but my main job is to be a content creator. Right. Speak. So I'm yeah. out in the R&D that's, lab. Yeah, that's if, true. You know, think about it like that. Yeah. So that has to be protected. Mm-hmm. So Tim has a, a lot of my meetings for me. <laughs> Tim has a lot of my meetings You're delegating for me. to me. Yeah, that's Tim is good. over in the corner going, I know you don't have meetings. I have your meetings. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's working for you. It's working great. Send we have, Tim we to have, the meeting tomorrow and uh, you'll be off the hook. That's exactly it. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, I wish, uh, Tim, please go, go. We have Wig sessions, wildly mm-hmm. important goal sessions. They're structured by Good. the Covey Institute. And 40X. 40X. We use that. Yeah. Love and it. it. And it's fantastic. Yeah. It's been extremely productive. But I love this. You've got several characteristics of a good meeting here, and I want to go through them. We'll, we'll let you know about this PDF at the end of the show. But the first thing we have to do if we want to have a great meeting is we have to set an agenda. Well, that's the first thing if we're planning the meeting. But I would back up and start with the first thing is the right mindset. If you stop and count the cost of how much payroll is sitting around the table, yeah, sometimes you're it's, having it's, it's a meeting. Mind-numbing to do that. We got to get there mentally first before we're actually going to carve out and prioritize the work it's going to take to set an agenda and do all these things we're about to talk about. So you got to go into it going, "This is serious," and if we're sloppy with it, we're not being a good steward of our resources. Right. So I really think that's the pre-first thing, first thing. And what's the mindset? I mean, you just you count the cost, you, you put it on a piece of paper. Is what this meeting's costing me, or what? what well, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good exercise. And then you also have to go if we are having this meeting. What's important about what it's going to do for our business afterwards? Where the meeting going? never creates something that makes a difference. It can be the place where we have a conversation that the fruits of that will change lives or create a product or create a service that actually is going to get out into the marketplace. But if it's not driving towards that. Then it's probably a fruitless meeting. What do you do? What do you do? You got a three o'clock meeting. It's one o'clock. You got some work you've got to do, and you realize this is a fruitless meeting. This three o'clock meeting, you kill it? Maybe, or I try to figure out not fruitless for you, but it might be fruitful potentially. Or I try to figure out what's going to make it productive. And if we can start with why, Simon Sinek's kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Why are we here? Before we get into the what and the how, if we know why we're here and we can connect the dots with everybody on the team that's in that meeting. Here's why we're here today. This is why this meeting is important. This is the conversation we hope to have. This is the kind of conversation we're going to have. This is the style. It's brainstorming or it's planning or, hey, we need to hear a presentation and then make a decision about if we're going to spend some money or not. What direction are we going to go? Or is it a strategic meeting? So understanding why we're here really dictates everything else. And usually when it looks like it's not going to be a fruitful meeting, it's because the why has gotten foggy. It's Mm. become ambiguous as to why are we doing this again? And typically that happens with meeting series that start a few months ago with a good intent, and we say, we should talk about this every week, but then three or four months goes by, and we go, we're still meeting, but we're not so sure that it's still as effective as it was the day that we had that pain point that we were trying to solve three or four months upstream. We do a thing where our year, this is 2017, is broken up into four quarters. The first quarter is to build. We're building a bunch of products. Second quarter is to refine everything that we've already built. Mm -hmm. So we literally just going to spend three months making everything better. I love that. And the third quarter is about preparing to launch a book, and the fourth quarter is about launching that book. Those are the four quarters. And so I go into meetings now saying, what does this have to do with building? Because we are in quarter one. That's your theme. And Yeah, that's the Mm -hmm. theme of quarter one. And this may be a refining thing. And if it is a refining thing, Tim knows, I've sat in a meeting and said, hey, we just did a quarter two meeting in quarter one. That's fine, but I want you to know where that fits in the year. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't have anything to do with building, refining, preparing, or launching, we're not doing it. Great. Well, I say that. They sneak through, then they drive me crazy. That can happen. A lot of times those things are clear for us as leaders in our mind, 
But what you did a great job of in that scenario is you set it down for your team to go, this is the why. And everybody is craving for the leader to connect those dots. Help me understand why we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the theme? And how do we filter all the noise in this meeting toward that theme? And it'll, it'll get us that much more traction in the end. Okay. So you've got the number one thing, uh, nine hacks for highly productive meetings. The number one hack, or the first hack you mentioned, is to set an agenda. What do you mean by setting an agenda? Yeah, and this can feel corporate. And you know, a lot of times our minds go to, when we hear the word agenda, like a specific document. Yeah, You can have a document that's printed, but even just getting up on the whiteboard ahead of time and just kind of writing out two or three objectives and going, this is why we're here today. It just centers everybody. It gets our right. minds ready to say, this is what we're pointed at. It's almost like a little goal for the meeting. It's not And it lets ramblers coming. know when they're rambling. Exactly. Although if you haven't set an agenda, nobody knows when they're off track. Yes. Because <laughs> we never set If it's agenda. on the whiteboard, you can kind of get in that place halfway through where somebody is rambling. You can come back and go, okay, I love that point. Let's parking lot that because, and then point to the whiteboard. This is why we're here today. And it just, again, you're hitting reset all the way through the meeting to stay oriented on that target. Yeah. Okay. Number two, respect the clock. Mm. This one can be sticky, and it depends on your culture how strict or loose you are about time and time management. Uh, but time is money. You got a lot of people in the room. And so I think just as a matter of courtesy, you should respect your peers by being efficient with your communication, not being wasteful of the time that's in the room, not being uh, overwordy about illustrating your point, and then also not fighting everything in that particular meeting. There's a lot of times where you and one other person should connect and it could be better served just to do it offline right after the meeting. Mm -hmm. So we have a phrase a lot of times where it'll kind of get into a ping pong back and forth between two people and there's eight other people around the table and we just go, hey, let's just offline that. You guys grab two minutes afterwards and then y'all could probably resolve that and then let us know next time what you decided. Yeah, that's great. I know that uh, Steve Jobs was famous for 20-minute meetings. Mm -hmm. You yeah. didn't, didn't think there was a whole lot that needed more than 20 minutes of his Well, time. it's that classic that the work and the conversation will expand to fill the space allotted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we give it two hours, it'll take two hours. If we give it 20 minutes, we can probably get it in there. How long do you give most meetings? Well, they're all different. We've got 10-minute meetings. We've got stand-ups. We've got some that do need an hour, and we take an hour, but... I'm kind of closer to the Steve Jobs mindset. 30 to 45 minutes should be the tops. Otherwise, we probably need to have some kind of a strategic offsite if it's that important. Great. All right, number three, you limit the number of attendees. This is my favorite. This is, this is the power <laughs> behind a meeting is there should not be very many people in the room. I'm just a, I'm an evangelist on that idea. So another thing that's interesting about adding people is every time you add another person, you're a little bit less likely to get the last 10% of truth Oh, what does that mean? The That's transparency that really makes a meeting powerful. When somebody can just be fully vulnerable and go, this is really what I think about this, uh, that voice in our head gets louder that says, hey, don't really tell them what you think, the more people there are in the room. There's right? too much risk in the There's room. There's two or three or four people. You can kind of talk your way through it, and you can trust that we can have a conversation about this if I didn't exactly say it the right way. But the bigger that audience gets, the more that we go back to that little third grade or fourth grade kid that for the first time said something in front of the whole class and everybody laughed. Yeah, yeah. And that's the fear. And so the more people we add, it just kind of the nature of a bigger group is we're just a little bit more careful and political about our statements. And we don't want that. That's not how the magic happens, right? That's not yeah. how things are created. That's not how we drive ideas forward. I've made mistakes several times where I walk into a, a room and I, I just say, you're not necessary here. <laughs> <laughs> you can go, I don't mean anything by it. And I always have to go back and say, hey, this is why I said that. Because honestly, most of the time, it's not because I don't want you in the meeting. It's the opportunity cost of yeah. having your brilliant mind sitting here so that we can talk about what sort of toilet paper we're going to buy. It's right. not important. You need to go do your thing. Well, and the other thing I'll say on that point is Andy Stanley's really good at this, but don't freak out about your org chart when you're putting the meeting list together. 
it's okay to skip level. It's okay to you know shake things up a little bit. We have this temptation to always go, okay, well, if that person's there, then their leader needs to be there and their leader has to be there too. And you, you know what? Just get the right people in the room and then update people later. You got to move faster than that. And if you're too concerned about the politics and the org chart and how it all mm. works for every mm-hmm. single meeting, you're just going to create you know funk and calendar gridlock um, yeah, yeah, yeah. before you can ever actually have the right people there. There has to be structure and improvisation and everything totally. to make it work. All right, number four, start on time. Yeah, this is a matter of respect. And honestly, this is one I struggle with um, because I feel like a lot of times I'm coming in hot out of a previous meeting or a conversation in the hallway that really was important with somebody that caught me for a minute. But really, if you can make it a priority to start on time and let people that are coming to the meeting know that it's a matter of respecting your peers, it lets everybody take it more seriously. Have you ever had to say a little something somebody's not coming in on time? You know, we haven't. Walking in with in a our Starbucks place a lot. cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> we're gracious. I mean, if somebody's 10 minutes late, yeah. we may connect with them afterwards and go, hey, we were waiting on you for that meeting to start, and you took 10 minutes of that time that everybody else was just sitting there. But usually our, our people are pretty good about it. If it's a culture where that's not the case, I, would, I definitely would be policing that. And yeah. I would I would challenge our team to self-police and hold each other accountable on it, too. Yeah. I talked to um, David Beasley one time. He's governor of South Carolina. And he had a guy on staff, just became governor. They're flying to D.C. one day, and this kid is three minutes late to get on the plane. Beasley says, uh, close the door. We're out of here. Left <laughs> Leaves the kid, knows the kid can get a commercial flight uh-huh. and get to D.C. whenever he can, but uh, try to make a point. And I always thought that's just such a cool thing to do. You know, I got to do that. But one, I always my people are always on time, and two, I'm usually late. So it hasn't worked out for me yet to close the door. <laughs> they haven't closed the door on you yet. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. not usually late. I shouldn't say that. It helps but I you on the plane. But I think it's important. I, I really do. I think it's, you know, hey, we said we're going to meet at 930 you know, we've got to meet at 930. I actually won't work with people who are late. Mm. Even, and that, that I know sounds really shallow, but even in friendships, you know, the third or fourth time somebody's late to lunch, we're not doing lunch anymore. Right. Yeah, it's just, we're not going to do it. I think this is a just a matter of being professional, and I don't think it's a, oh, I'm a millennial, we're loosey-goosey. I mean, it, it's a matter of respecting other people, regardless of your generation, regardless of how busy you are and have all these other things going on. When you're on time, you're saying to the other person that you're meeting with, I respect you and I believe in you. And that's the foundation for all relationships is yeah, respect, right? It really is. Number five, go device free. Uh-oh, oh, this one's this is so weird. hard. I know people are turning us off right now. They're turning off the cell phone. They're on their devices listening to us <laughs> while they're in a meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the case. <laughs> and they're probably getting more out of this podcast than they are out of that meeting, but that we won't go there. So the device this thing, cool. this is sticky because we but live it's cool. in it. It's really true. It's if necessary. you can turn it off and completely focus on the meeting, you can take less time in the meeting. You yeah. can be more efficient. And when you're fully present with people in the conversation, again, you're respecting them, you're respecting their time, and you're saying, I'm all in. Yeah. And this is never a legalistic thing in our place. I mean, everybody's taking notes on laptops, and of course, an yeah. email comes in, and you may glance at it and reply real quick. So you just got to really be intentional and guard that. I would say avoid making it a legalistic, absolutely never have a device in a meeting. But also the nature of the meeting kind of dictates that as well. If you're having a one-on-one meeting with one of your key people, and the whole time that they're trying to talk to you about their world and share things with you, you're on your device or you're saying, hey, give me just a second. You know, that sends a message to them that they maybe aren't as important as you really want them to feel right. about their role and mm-hmm. responsibility. There's something also, you know, and this isn't just for meetings. This is for, you know, you come home at six o'clock and your wife wants to talk. And there's yes. something about swiping that thumb up, hitting that airplane mode yeah. that turns work off. Totally. I mean, you know, I've realized in, in a meeting, it turns all the other things off so that we can focus on this. Yes. And I don't know why. If my phone is available, there's another person in the room. Well, and if, I, if it's not available, it's just you and that's me. That's right. 
it makes you present. I've started actually leaving my phone in the car when I get home at night. Oh, that's smart. And just come in. And I don't do it every single night, but the nights I just leave it in the car, throw it in the glove box or something, come in, and I'm just there for my kids. I'm there for my wife. And then, you know, 7.30 or 8, I'll go grab it and check in and that kind of thing. But it freaks us out these days to not have our phone on us because what if we miss something? Right. What if the world ends and I don't know about it because people weren't <laughs> texting me or tweeting me? And the truth is there's rarely anything that's not able to Isn't wait that for amazing? a couple hours, right? <laughs> Life goes on. People Nothing don't die happened. when you don't check your phone. Yes. <laughs> I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Daniel Tardy in just a moment. Well, I'm back with J.J. Peterson. J.J., as you know, has been on the road teaching private workshops yeah. to companies. Yep. And these are private story brand workshops where you go in and in the course of a day and a half, you help them figure out what their story is yeah. and make it very clear. And then you take a look at their marketing collateral so they can see where they're projecting the wrong story that uh -huh. isn't helping their business. But I'm wondering if you have any tips with all these companies. I mean, you've done dozens of these things now. Yeah. Have you have any tips for a company that just feels like their message isn't quite clear? It's not clicking. Yeah, I think there are two kind of main mistakes that companies make. A company can change over time, but often they keep their messaging the same. And even though they're doing something different, they've moved in a different direction, they're trying to keep the original messaging that they started with with the company, yeah. and they actually need to update it for where they are now. I think that's the first thing. The and that, that confuses everybody. Yeah. It confuses customers. It confuses team members. Well, that's the second thing. Is Also, they're bringing on new team members all the time, and they assume that the team members know the messaging, and they know the story of the company, and they just don't. And so when I come in, a lot of times the biggest thing that we're doing is getting everybody on the same page, telling the same story from people who are on sales calls to people who do the website to the CEO, getting everybody telling the same story, and it's updating their messaging to where they are now as a company. Yeah, because if you don't know the story that your company is telling, nobody knows the role they play within that yes, story. Yeah. So you have this identity confusion, not just in a company, you have an identity confusion in every staff member. I remember always knowing you know, that StoryBrand saves people a ton of money keeps them from wasting time with marketing that doesn't work. And in the end, we just deliver really good marketing advice. And, yeah. and one day I kind of said that in the staff meeting and everybody kind of went, oh, that's what we do. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, you have to say these things or nobody knows yeah. what yep. it is that we do. It's like at the end of the day, we just give really great marketing advice. That's what we do. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't figured that out as a company, you haven't clarified your message, I guarantee you, you're losing productivity from your team members because they're, they're not engaged. Yep. And disengaged team members cost you an enormous amount of money. Not only that, disengaged customers, because your story more, is big, yeah. which is really what we do. It's yeah. all about the customers. But at the same time, there's a benefit for the team members. Listen, if you want JJ or one of our other five facilitators to come in and do a private workshop, help you get your entire team on the same page, get your message down so that all of your marketing collateral works and your associates are fully engaged, Go to storybrand.com slash private workshop. That's storybrand.com slash private workshop. And maybe if you're lucky, JJ <laughs> will come himself. But other than JJ, we've also got a bunch of other facilitators that all of us think are even yeah, better. They really are. They really are. <laughs> oh, that was a joke, but you believe no, absolutely not. All right, JJ. Well, thanks for that tip. Yeah. Definitely important. All right, number six, this is an important one. Feed them. Give them food. 
feed them is a practical thing, right? But it's all about energy. You know, if you got people in a room, we're human beings, we have biological needs, we need caffeine, we need blood sugar, you know, we need to stand up and move if we've been sitting there for more than 30 minutes. I mean, there are real physiological components to the energy in the room. And so if you want an energetic meeting, be aware of those things. Don't mm -hmm. have a meeting at four o'clock in the afternoon when the whole team has been dragging through meetings all day long. And then you sit there and you take an hour longer than you said it was going to take and it's dry and it's boring and everybody is dying to go to the restroom, but you haven't given them a break to get up and go get a snack and have a break. Like you got to pay attention to that stuff as a leader. And when you're calling the meeting, you got to be respectful enough of other people there to go, hey, what's going to make this fun for you? What's mm -hmm. going to make this engaging and enjoying? And we got to disrupt our meetings on a regular basis to make them engaging because we just get used to status quo. And if no one's disrupting, then no one's leading. I love it. I, I have a feeling people like working for you. Well, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we do things. We In our stand-up meetings, uh, we have a fight bell on the wall. And every time we sell something, the sales team gets to come and like ring the fight bell. And it's yeah. crazy obnoxious. And we turn up the music and we throw candy out. And anything we can do to make average, boring things fun. And actually, they're not average and boring. But I guess the point is, as a leader, we have to remind our team why it's not average and boring. Because right. it'll feel that way yeah. if we're not disrupting and adding energy to it. I love it. Okay. Hold office hours. So this one is different today. I think for a lot of organizations, people are experimenting with flex time and, of course, working remotely. But there's just something about saying, hey, we're all going to be here together from 8 to 5. We're all in the same spot. We can connect with the people that we need to because we're all here. And it takes a lot of the effort out of trying to just find people and get meetings scheduled. And people have to come in for special meetings. And so it, this is a little bit old school, but in our world, we just figured out that we're just better as a team if we're all there at the same time in the trenches working on the same stuff, generally speaking, at the same time of day. I agree with that. I know that there are people in their 20s and early 30s who are listening and saying, hey, it doesn't work like that anymore. You can work from anywhere. And you know, the reality is we just get a lot more done when everybody's in the office and we can communicate easier. And the studies show that working from home and flex workspace and setting up your office like a giant coffee shop is not as productive. Everybody mm -hmm. thinks it is. It's not. You know, well, the other thing is it's amazing. We've hired a couple people who were kind of uh, freelance before they joined the company, and it is unbelievably hard for them to transition to mm -hmm. office hours. Unbelievably hard. Because they're used to charging three times as much for half the work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. You know, I remember one, one freelance person said to me, you guys work faster. He just kept saying, you guys work faster than any people I've ever yeah. been around. Finally, I had to pull him aside and say, no, we don't. We're the norm, right? We're the norm. You yeah. just work you just really slower. slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an inherent accountability and engagement factor that just when you're around your peers and they're working and you see them working, yeah. and if you're not working, you're going to be seen as not working. Like it just, I know I need it. I know I enjoy the accountability and just being in the zone with everybody else. So I would say if this is antithetical to you and you're like, whoa, we are all about future tech, do whatever you want, come in whatever you want, just as long as you get your work done. Maybe this doesn't fit your culture, but try it. In fact, all of these things should not necessarily be the end-all be-all. But the key is try these things to disrupt your normal pattern and see if it makes you more productive as a team. Yeah. If you run the test for 30 days and it sucks, it's okay. It's your business. You don't have to stay that way, but at least be moving forward and, and making progress in some of these things that maybe are unconventional or things that you haven't done up to this point. Okay, number eight, try a daily stand-up. Yeah, I love the daily stand-up. And honestly, when we implemented daily stand-up with Entree Leadership, it eliminated about 50% of the time that was dedicated to other meetings. Wow, yeah. 
it blew me away. We were having all these one-on-one and two-on-one and little group meetings to try to keep everybody in the loop. Inevitably, people still weren't in the loop. And so what we realized is if we got all the right people together, kept it short for 10 or 15 minutes a day, uh, we actually just do it twice a week now. People check in and their little functional areas and go, here's what I'm working on today. Here's some wins from yesterday or here's where we're stuck. And then they feed back to the whole group. Now the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Everybody feels more unified. We can celebrate together in stand-ups. We can talk about big challenges we're facing. And it's almost like a little mini staff meeting, but it's super quick. And everybody gets to participate and talk and kind of What's do the structure of a stand-up? I mean, do you come in saying, what are you asking? What are the questions that are you trying to answer? In a yeah, so we did Daily one uh, just this morning. We had our, our Tuesday morning stand-up and... We got all 40 of our people around a circle, and we said, okay, we're going to check in in our different areas, and we split into five different teams. So our designers get together, our developers get together, sales team gets together, and they've got a team captain who's kind of leading that discussion going, okay, what are you working on? Where are you stuck right now? Where's their confusion? Where are their big wins? So there's some kind of key questions that we get going out there just to prompt that dialogue. And then we have that team captain report back to the whole group. So we all huddle back in the, the bigger group of 40. And that team captain is going to say, hey, here's what's going on in our You literally area. have all 40 of your people standing around, and the team captains actually give a little report. That's every day? Report. Uh, we do it twice a week now. That's, we found really, that's, better that's for us. really great. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to get 40 people on the same page. It's almost turning into a staff meeting with our team size now. And it's yeah. a, at some point, we'll probably have to go that direction. But if you can get people together and go, hey, what's going on real quick? It's almost like a little huddle. And it's giving you a place as a leader, instead of just popping in and interrupting your team's work all the time, you can just keep a little uh, you know, mental to-do list. Hey, be sure to update the team at stand-up because that's coming. And now you've got an outlet to get those things out there, announcements or whatever you have. Okay. Nine, think like a director. This is the last one. Think like a director. If you're thinking like a director, you're not thinking like the hero of the story. You're not thinking like, it's all about me. We don't need to have meetings to make ourselves feel better. We need to have meetings to get stuff done. And ultimately, the fruit of the meeting is a symphony, a team coming together to create this beautiful piece of music that's the art or the work that our organization produces. So if you're thinking like a director, you're going to put time on the front end to maximize the meeting. You're going to connect with people and go, hey, in this meeting, I want you to say these things and here's why. On the back end of the meeting, you're going to tell people where things went well and where things didn't go well. This is all about leadership and it's all about disrupting status quo. And if that's the mindset we have when we're organizing meetings, we'll just do it better and we'll be more intentional about it. Yeah. These are fantastic. Walk me through a week in the life of Entree Leadership. What meetings are you, as the guy in charge, what meetings are you having? I was going to pull up my phone, but I turned it off so it wouldn't buzz while doing the podcast. I was going to look at my calendar. So from memory. It's like Monday morning. Monday morning. We have a Ramsey Solutions team-wide staff meeting. All 600 of us are in our conference room, and that is like a miniature live event. Uh, We're going through slides and videos. But this is a meeting. It's a meeting. This isn't like a a rah-rah rally. This is a business meeting. All 600 people get on the same All 600 people. The opportunity cost of 600 people in the same room is Oh, it's massive. But it's worth it. But the cost of people not knowing what's going on is catastrophic. Right. Right. So we put a premium on time together talking about, again, right hand knowing what the left hand is doing. And then Dave and our board have a meeting. Usually I'll be a part of that, giving an update or listening to an update about some kind of a strategic priority. And then I meet for lunch with my two executives uh, in our area. And we're talking about overall team issues, some tactical things, approvals, decisions getting made, whether it's about a key hire or a marketing campaign or kind of overall strategic direction. Um, And then we kind of go Monday afternoon into our different areas and check in with our teams. And then usually at about three o'clock on Monday, we have our weekly rocks meeting. And our rocks are, you talked earlier about how you have a quarterly theme. 
Uh, we have three rocks every quarter that are big strategic priorities for the entree leadership. Is that the business. analogy of you put the big rocks in? and Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So our rocks each have a sponsor, and the sponsors come to that meeting with our executive team and a couple of other key people, and they give a report on that rock. Here's what we did last week. Here's where we're stuck. Here's the status. We're this percent way through the quarter, and we're only this percent complete with this rock, so we've got a gap. Here's our proposal for what we think we need to do to close the gap. What do you guys think? And we either approve some money to fix that, or we approve a hire to fix that, or we say, hey, I, I got a creative out-of-the-box idea that I think we could do. And then you know, we send people back into the week to execute on those rocks. And so that's kind of how we kick it off on Monday. And then, of course, throughout the week, I have one-on-ones with my leaders, and then we have some team stand-ups and um, different strategic priority things going on as well. But it's a, it is a lot of meetings. As I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I am in a lot of meetings. That's a lot. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, we've got creative people who are doing the creating. We've got writers who are doing writing. Right. So, I mean, depending on your environment, they may not be the you know success factor. Well, it's today. fantastic. I mean, if you think about it, you know the the job of leader, and we're all different. I mean, I, I the company would not make as much money if I weren't out in R and D and creating sure. content and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, you are the product in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it's a little bit of a difference there. It's like Bill Gates when he moved from CEO and he went over into R and D. There was a strategic decision there that this guy's going to be more valuable over here if he's creating things. But for most people listening, they're in your boat. They are professional meeting takers. Mm-hmm. They're professional meeting directors. That's what they are. And that that is where you get the most productivity. That is where you, you get the best return on your investment. And so this is incredibly valuable stuff. I want to go back through them again. Uh, nine hacks for highly productive meetings. First, set an agenda to respect the clock. And I've even been in meetings where people get five minutes and then they say, hey, your time's up. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and you set a timer yeah, if you have to. It can be a yeah, little can, annoying, yeah. but it's, you know, it, right. it actually works. Three, limit the number of attendees, my absolute favorite. Four, start on time. Five, go device free. I like that one a lot. Six, feed them. That's the key to happy employees. Just keep food in their mouth. Chocolate. Seven, hold office hours. That is just make sure there's times when everybody is together. Eight, try a daily stand-up. I have a feeling that's the one most people are going to actually try to move with. It's fun. Yeah, and if you want to rewind this podcast and listen to Daniel as he talks about how to, what to say and what to ask in a daily stand-up. And nine, think like a director. It's not about us. We're composing a symphony. We're writing a story. And I'll say this about the director role. It's one other kind of meeting you need to have, and it's a meeting with yourself. Hmm. You need to block some time to have a game plan to do all these things. And it's our job to do the prep on the front end so that we serve our team well and we're respecting their time and we're making our meetings as efficient and productive as possible. And that doesn't happen if you're just in back-to-back meetings all day, every day, flying by the seat of your pants. You got to carve out two hours, go offsite if you have to, and put a plan on paper. Think through it. Send those emails to the key people that you want to be the hero in that next conversation. Make sure they know what they're stepping into and you can really maximize what the whole team can do together if you're putting on that director role. But you can't do that if you're in meetings all the time. I love it. Daniel, this is incredibly helpful. This is going to help a lot of people get a lot better return on their investment. Well, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And and it's also going to save people from these painful, monotonous meetings. Please, spare us all. I hope your meeting tomorrow is fruitful. You'll figure out a way to make that happen, I'm sure. Oh, I hope so. If not, I'll call you. (laughs) All right, Daniel, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy.
The Entree Leadership Team has put together a fantastic PDF for the Building a Story Brand audience. It's called the Team Communication Field Guide, How to Keep Your Team Engaged and Productive. It outlines everything Daniel and Don talked about, but it's also a template that you can use during your next one-on-one meeting with a staff member, during your group meetings. Everything you need to improve your team's communication is in this PDF. Go to buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet to get it. That's buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. Great interview. Yeah. That's helpful stuff. Yeah, it's really good. When this wraps up, do you want to go to coffee real quick? Only if we can stand. <laughs> okay, I'll bring donuts. <laughs> Compromises everything. All right, well, on the next episode of the Building Story Brand podcast, JJ, you're going to love this. We've got Mel Robbins. Mel Robbins wrote a book called The Five-Second Rule, and she's claiming that it's going to change everything, and I kind of believe her. <laughs> Five seconds, basically, the premise is this. Five seconds can change your life, because she says we go into automated thinking so quickly mm-hmm. when we go into making bad decisions or eating donuts or whatever. Um, I thought you said bad decisions. <laughs> she says if you just count the to five okay. and take an action in the opposite direction, it'll change everything. You believe uh, her? I do, actually, after listening to the interview. Yeah, it's yeah, a I pretty do. good yeah, interview. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it sounds kind of gimmicky, but you know, she brings in the brain science, and everybody listening is going to go, this makes complete sense. Anyway, here's a little teaser from next week's podcast, my interview with Mel Robbins. This five-second tool, the five-second rule, I call it, helped me wake up and make powerful decisions in five seconds flat that propelled my life forward. And as I started to see myself making the small decisions and taking the small actions that wake you up and that put you into action, my confidence started to build. And that creates momentum. And so I trained myself to stop being the kind of person that overthinks everything and become the kind of person that has a bias toward action. All right, we're going to have to pay attention next week to find out whether the five-second rule will work for you. But JJ and I are sold, right? Yeah, we're in. Yeah, I'm in. I, I, mean, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. All right, well, music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.